Hey, happy Easter to you, everybody. You know, nothing replaces being able to be together in one place, but we are glad that we can do this. And I'm sure you know we're doing a bunch of drive-ins as well because we just feel like we have to celebrate Easter well. If this was a full auditorium, I'd be able to say, he is risen and hear shouts back of he is risen indeed in response, but I've got to do kind of the call and answer all myself, but I trust at home you are celebrating this Easter with us. You know, we've been working through this series and it culminates today at Easter, which is just so perfect, um, called Jesus Saves. And we're going to be looking at the doctrine of glorification. And it's a beautiful doctrine. Glorification is the final step in the application of redemption. This is our future hope. This is the kind of culmination, everything to coming together in the end of our, sal- uh, of our salvation. It's our glorification. Jesus died, Jesus rose, Jesus was glorified, and he will come again, and we will be made like him. We will look upon the glory of Jesus and be made glorious like Jesus. When we die, we will go to be with Jesus. But hear me on this. This is an important thing to understand about glorification. When we die, we'll go to be with Jesus. But when Jesus comes again, he will make all things new and at that time eradicate sin once and for all and suffering once and for all and death once and for all. And that's when believers will receive resurrected glorified bodies that will live in a renewed glorified creation for all eternity. I don't know why, but this incredible doctrine is often neglected and therefore fuzzy in the minds of believers, but it is truly glorious. And so I'm looking forward to exploring it with you for a few minutes this Easter. I'm gonna be in Romans chapter eight and invite you to look there as well. I'm gonna start by just reading verse 18 to you of Romans chapter eight. It says this, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. The glory that is to be revealed to us. I want you to see that glorification puts everything in perspective. You know, I'm a Canucks fan. I'm, I'm a long-suffering Canucks fan. But if I, if I could know, if I could know, if I could have the perspective and, and be told, you know what, the Canucks are gonna win the Stanley Cup within the next five years. Or let's be realistic, it's the Canucks. Within the next 50 years even, the Canucks are actually gonna win the Stanley Cup. If I could be given that perspective, you know what? I would consider the sufferings of this present time not worth comparing with the future glory of the Vancouver Canucks. This present suffering. (laughs) Now what Paul is saying is he's actually giving us a perspective we can count on. He's giving us some truths about the future but glorification that should shape our perspective right here and now. Paul is saying that the sufferings we experience now aren't worth comparing with our future glory. And he's not saying that flippantly. This is a man who was shipwrecked more than once. Uh, This is a man who was abandoned, who experienced loneliness and rejection. This is a man who was stoned so severely that everybody thought he was dead. 
He was imprisoned multiple times. And so it's striking coming from someone who had suffered so greatly like Paul that he could say our present sufferings aren't worth comparing with our glorious future. Listen, here's a truth that Jesus' resurrection has secured for every believer. Our best days are always in front of us. I don't mean that in some sort of lame, motivational cat poster kind of way. I mean that in, as one of the greatest promises of God for the follower of Jesus. Our best days are, this is proper perspective, always ahead of us. I'm not saying you won't have terrible days. That's not the point. The point is that a proper perspective recognizes that our future will be so glorious, so free of suffering, that all of this, even at its worst, is mere light and momentary affliction. Let the resurrection of Jesus give you that perspective this Easter. Second, Glorification is material. Check this out, verse 20. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Now, Not only will our bodies go from perishable to imperishable, to use the language of 1 Corinthians 15, but our text here in Romans 8 tells us that all of creation will be renewed, will be glorified. That's a a phenomenal vision. You know, like I, I I never enjoyed piano lessons. I never enjoyed practicing the piano. And so, so the thought to me of sitting on a cloud, playing a harp for all eternity sound, sounded even worse. No offense to all the harpists out there, all you harpists. I, I don't mean to offend, but the thought of that for all eternity is just like, man, it's no wonder, no wonder some believers lack excitement about eternity. They haven't caught a vision of what the resurrection of Jesus means for us. And what we see in Romans chapter eight is that glorification is is material. It's tactile. Christianity has been referred to as the most material of all faiths, meaning the most earthy. God originally made us for earth and in Jesus, God will fulfill that original intent in a renewed earth. In other words, the destiny of God's people is not to go to heaven, but to enter a new heaven and new earth, ultimately. Our future isn't otherworldly, it's new worldly. Not only will God renovate and restore our souls, he's gonna renovate and restore our bodies, but not only that, he's gonna renovate and restore the entire cosmos. We're told in our text that the creation itself eagerly awaits that great day. 
See, at Christmas, we celebrate that God became human. Jesus took on flesh, humanity. At Easter, we celebrate that Jesus rose bodily in a resurrection body, different than his Good Friday body, but it was a body. It was the prototype and guarantee of the new creation. And then he ascended bodily. And he will come again bodily. And we will be made like him. See, we won't be freed from our bodies, but our bodies will be freed from the sin that causes our bodies to decay. That's amazing. The stairs in in our house are, are quite steep. It's the only staircase where this happens to me. But whenever I climb our staircase at home, my right knee, just this just started a few months ago, my right knee clicks on every step. My boys are upstairs, they just hear like click, click, like, oh, dad's coming. I don't know why that started happening, but my right knee clicks. I tweaked my back a few weeks ago. Wanna know how? Going down two patio steps. My body is in the process of decay. But in all seriousness, some of you are really facing real pain, real sickness, and breakdown of our bodies. Part of what our future hope of salvation means is resurrected bodies freed from sin and decay. In Luke chapter 24, there's this scenario where the resurrected Jesus invited his disciples to touch him. It says in verse 39 of Luke 24, see my hands and my feet, that it is I myself, Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And then the text goes on to tell us that the disciples are like marveling about, their their minds are blown over this. And then as that's happening, Jesus is like, have you got something to eat? And then Jesus has some fish. You understand what this means, right? Glorification the renewal of all things of heaven and earth and even our physical bodies renewed, glorified. What Jesus is saying is that, well, actually it's one of the most beautiful illustrations, analogies of the kingdom of God and eternity in the Bible. It's that of a feast. We'll recline at a table and we will eat food together. Not just food, but food in a from an earth that's no longer corrupted but has been glorified. Can you imagine the taste? And and we will sit at that table with others in perfectly reconciled relationship. Relationship fully restored. Think about meals or think about situations with loved ones, with friends, with family, and the food is so good and and the time of visiting with each other is just so great and you wanna just freeze that moment because it's wonderful. Times that by a thousand, we're talking about glorification. Talk about how good the food was. Times it by a thousand, that's glorification. Think of the laughter that comes from the table as you're just enjoying each other's presence. Times that sense by a thousand. We've had incredible singing going on in our services this weekend. Think about, there's no tone deaf people 
in heaven anymore. Think of the quality of music. Think of the, how glorious it really will be in song. The laughter, joy, perfect joy forever. This is a, a physical reality, a material glorification that is to come. Listen, let this glorious vision of eternity excite your imagination this Easter. Here's the third and final piece. Glorification is a certainty. Look at verse 30. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Now, this verse is sometimes described as a golden chain of five links, or as John Stott put it, five undeniable affirmations. It starts back in verse 29, and it's about the foreknowledge of God, predestination of God, call of God, justification of God, and glorification of God. It's a phenomenal abbreviated summary of the Jesus Save series we've been doing for the past nine weeks. And everything Paul lists, you have to note this, everything Paul lists here is accomplished by God himself. Tells us those whom he foreknew, he predestined, he called, he justified, he glorified. It's all of God. Years ago, there was an older Christian who was asked to give his testimony in front of the congregation. He told how God had sought him out and found him, how God had loved him, called him, saved him, delivered him, cleansed him, and healed him. His testimony was a great witness to the grace power and glory of God. But after the meeting, a rather legalistic brother took him aside and criticized his testimony saying, I appreciated all you said about what God did for you, but you didn't mention anything about your part in it. Salvation is really part us and part God. You should have mentioned something about your part. Oh yes, the older Christian said, I apologize for that. I'm sorry. I really should have said something about my part. My part was running away and his part was running after me until he caught me. You know, if our salvation rests on us, it's destined to fail. But if our salvation is all of God, all of grace, all of good news news accomplished for us by Jesus, it's a certainty. Look at this. While our salvation culminates in our future glorification, Paul writes it in the past tense. Those whom he justified, he also glorified. Past tense. Why does he do that? Here's why. Because it's such a certainty that it may as well already have happened. If you have been justified, you will be glorified. You will be. What reason to praise and exclaim, he is risen indeed. It's God's doing. And so if you trust in Christ for your glorification, it is as good as done. Celebrate that this Easter. In response, I'm gonna invite you to three responses this Easter Sunday. First, to celebrate. Then I wanna invite you to rest. And third, to tell others. Celebrate, 
rest and tell others. First, celebrate that Jesus saves. Back in uh, Romans chapter five, verse uh, three, it says, we rejoice in hope, verse two, sorry, we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. This promise that followers of Jesus will be perfected and glorified in the future when Christ returns is meant to bring us joy now. We should rejoice now in our glorification. Listen, the cross is enough. The tomb is empty. Jesus saves and is coming again to renew heaven and earth and give us resurrection bodies. So this Easter, we celebrate all that Jesus has done, is doing, and will do in the future. Celebrate, my friends, this Easter. Second, rest. Rest because Jesus saves. See, the beauty of the gospel is that it's not up to you. It's up to Jesus. There's no striving for you to do to earn God's favor. Jesus accomplished that for you and said, it is finished. It has been accomplished. Best of all, we will be glorified because we will be with Jesus, the one who loves us enough to have come and died for us. And we get to spend our eternity with him. That's glory. So rest in the finished work of Christ this Easter. Third, tell others that Jesus saves. You know, there are two reasons why I wanted us to do this sermon series over the last number of weeks. One is I wanted to see our, our knowledge and gratitude of and passion for salvation grow. And I hope that that has happened. And the second follows, the second reason is this, that we may see more salvations among us, more people come to Christ, that as our passion for the salvation that Jesus bought for us, as our passion grows for that, that we would tell it, that we would share it, that we would let others know about it, that they might be saved. It's a free gift of grace. We wanna see it extended to everyone around us. Just before I started preaching, you saw John McDonald's story, a dear brother who we love in our church. And uh, he said I could share this with you. Um, you know, a few years ago, he was in our preaching lab, something we do to train people to teach the Bible to others. And at the beginning of each preaching lab, I'd always ask everybody, like, why are you here? What are you hoping to get out of it? What do you want? How do you want to apply it? And I remember John's answer. It was, you know, it took far too many years of my life for, for me to hear the gospel, gospel, for someone to share it with me. He came to Christ later in life. And he said, I'm here because I wanna be as, I wanna, I wanna do as well as I can at sharing the gospel with others. I wanna be able to do that well so others may know. And uh, as you heard in the video, he has terminal cancer. But a few months ago, he was actually at the bedside, him and his wife Darlene were at the bedside of a relative of theirs who was dying and who had been resistant to Christianity, to the gospel and was not a believer. And John just felt a prompt in that hospital room from the Holy Spirit um, to ask him. And so John said to him, can I pray for you? And to his surprise, his relative said, yes. So then John said, well, there are two prayers I could pray for you. I could pray for your healing or I could pray for your salvation. Which one do you want me to pray? 
The man looked up at him and said, both. So there they prayed in his hospital room, prayed for his healing and prayed together for his salvation in Christ. He only lived for a few more days, but his family said they they saw a distinct change in his disposition. And even as he slipped away into death, they could tell that he was actually starting to experience the kingdom of God, of heaven. They could see his eyes light up as he was welcomed by the Father. Who might the Holy Spirit be inviting you to share the good news of salvation with? Look, as we close this Easter Sunday, just a couple things to say. Have you surrendered your life to Christ? Have you turned to Jesus for salvation? Listen, if you haven't, there's no better day. The gospel is fully on display this weekend. Good Friday, Jesus died to pay the penalty for your sins. Easter Sunday, Jesus rose to give you a hope and future that you can securely have. Jesus loved you enough to do those things for you and he invites you to respond to him in faith. If you've never done that, I just invite you to do that. He died to save you and rose to give you a hope and a future. Turn to Jesus this Easter. We would love that. Nothing would give us greater joy this Easter than to know that you gave your life to Christ. Second, if you have surrendered your life to Jesus for salvation, this Easter, I want you to rest in it. I want you to celebrate it. Praise God, Jesus saves. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you so much for these incredible days. Good Friday where you laid your life down and then Sunday, Resurrection Sunday where you took it up again. You defeated the things we never could, sin and death. And then you invite us into relationship and life everlasting in a glorified state, in a glorified new heaven and earth for all eternity. Oh, we praise you, Jesus. You are so good. Thank you, Jesus. We celebrate your resurrection today and give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.